someone around wearing a deerstalker and peering through a magnifying glass whilst deducing things with someone named Sherlock and it was too good an opportunity to pass up bonus points for an exasperated Watson getting dragged along erudite Watson passed from transitory population zones to resident in a cloud of chemicals she dutifully breathed in the immunoflu after breathing out her own local germs for medical to catalogue as harmless, all before she put her clothes back on. At least they let her have relative privacy and female attendance on request. This was a strange and unusual place. Socialism abounded and corrupted everyone, but instead of the dismal and depressing picture given her by greater deregulation, Hubwoods, 
It was brightly lit, overflowing with plants and oddly colourful. Good news, there was a directory. Bad news, it was in that god-awful phonetic mishmash called Galstand. Good news, her tourist goggles had the technology to translate it into good old greater deregulation, Hubwood's English. Bad news, she had no clue how to even turn them on. You put them on and press the bridge you can. Your techies have already adjusted it for you. The creature was speaking to her in English. Her English. But the accent was... bizarre. Nobody on greater deregulation, Hobwoods, spoke like that. Watson tried it. Ah. English floated over the Galstand mess, but wasn't very helpful. I'm looking for the officers of the security chief. I have an extradition treaty for Gareth Wifnikov's mouth. This earned a sharp-toothed grin from her criminally dark face. Ah, finally at last then. Good riddance to bad rubbish. Name's Shed. I could walk you there in my sleep. That should have been her warning sign, but she introduced herself regardless. I'm Lieutenant Eridat Watson. Lovely! An enthusiastic pumping of her offered hand. That's almost too good. You stay right there, I'll be just a tech. And without any further warning, the strange woman fell into her own shadow and was gone. Watson stared in confusion at the patch of floor she had been standing on, poked it with her foot. It was solid, so how? Ah, said someone else, a shorter man with sort of mauve skin. What was it with her in attracting coloured people today? I'm sorry, shades happened to you, hasn't she? He, too, was speaking greater deregulation, Hobwood's English. But it looked like he was making the greater effort. She told me to wait. Watson bit down hard on a sir. This thing was not a sir. Despite appearing to be male, it was a dangerous and polluting alien with all sorts of alien diseases. For all she knew, it was readying a blood attack with a special, weaponized ring. My name is Lieutenant Eridat Watson, and I have an extradition treaty for Gareth Wipnikov's mine. She dug the flimsy out of her jacket as proof. Watson, you said, asked the little blue not quite man yes the shade seemed to think it was good powers muttered the thing in the rainbow coat if we keep on our toes we can get this over with quickly i apologize in advance for the oncoming event shade stepped out of another shadow and bounced all the way over to the little blue knot man making high-pitched squealing noises she proceeded to embrace him and continued to bounce. The blue knot man's expression told Watson everything she needed to know about the oncoming event. Sherlock, may I introduce you to Watson? The alien was busy forcibly removing a deerstalker hat. Right. That explains that nonsense, he said in sharp galstand. The tourist goggles provided subtitles. What's your nonsense? No nonsense, sir. Damn, the aliens were not sirs. They were things. This place was corrupting her already. I have an extradition treaty for Gareth Wifnikov's mind. The alien took it read it through a monocle, fending off shade and the hat the entire time, and finally swore. We've almost rehabilitated him and you want to take him back. Stop it! 
back to your own facilities, pronounced medieval torture chambers, in a system where a criminal has no choice but to remain a criminal. The blue one finally snatched the hat off the black one and glared her into stillness. I have been charged to secure and retrieve Gareth Wiftikoff's mouth and return him for proper punishment as befits a criminal of his nature, said Watson. What happens to him once he's out of your jurisdiction is not important. Sigh. And I had such hopes. He shook his head and handed over a device with a friendly map on its screen. This will guide you to his cell. Please use ethical restraints until you're on your own vessel. That pushed an automatic, instantly regretted, Yes, sir! Out of her mouth, red-faced, Watson focused on the map and left without any courtesy. These were things. Things didn't get courtesy. said Shade. But Sherlock and Watson, you're meant for each other. Sherlock rubbed his temples. He already had a busy day. He didn't need Shade making it interesting on top of that. Ryle, get her out of here before I find a reason to arrest her again. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. The hat, at last, went back into its glass case behind his desk. Humans. End fire. We now commence intermission with a word from the author. Greetings, Assemble Cognizance. I wrote the story or stories you just heard as well as performed it on a relatively cheap headset mic. We all have to start somewhere and this is me, using what I've got. You may have noticed this podcast is now available on more than one podcast sharing service. That availability is thanks to Anchor.fm. Anchor is a free podcast sharing service that allows you, the podcaster, to opt in to any advertising associates at any time. They make their money through the corporations who sign on with them, so they don't need to hit you with ludicrous hosting fees. Anchor can help your podcast reach popular hosts such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts with no extra fuss or bother. Anchor.fm. Set sail on your next podcasting adventure. You might be wondering about the reference numbers. I can't read my fan fictions for legal reasons, so I'm skipping all the flash fictions I wrote that were inside someone else's IP. They are still available online for free, which we all prefer as a price tag. I'm doing this podcast for two reasons, the first being accessibility, the other being advertising. I want as many people as possible enjoying my little tales, and providing audio versions of them might just help with that. Likewise, if people can hear my stories, they might just wish to share them with their friends. We have busy lives these days, and curling up with a good book just isn't in the cards for many people. I get it. It's been literal years since I've been able to enjoy the same privilege. Therefore, these half-hour-ish podcasts should help fill some kind of void for someone, somewhere. Hopefully, it's you. If you wish to hear an improvement in audio quality, buy my books, join my Patreon, or just send me a Kofi, then you might want to set your data readers to internutter.org. That's I-N-T-E-R-N-U-T-T-E-R dot O-R-G. There you will find links to every current means I have to get the word out, access to other projects I'm working on, and the fast track to my Patreon and Ko-fi pages. 
If you like the melodious sound of my voice and wish to hear your business or organization rendered in a semi-Australian accent, then send an inquiry to nutterbutler at gmail.com. That's N-U-T-T-E-R-B-U-T-T-L-E-R at gmail.com. We can negotiate rates. If you make music and wish to hear it distributed by my newbie podcast, then send a sample and an inquiry and we can take it from there. Keep in mind that I am distributing this podcast for free and am currently making zero dollars out of this affair. Thank you for listening and I hope you stick with me for the foreseeable future. Accessing archival file, reference number 00245. File name reference. Didn't we already fix that? Prompt a recurrence. Hey, check this out. A fellow cure passed over a pamphlet. It was the immuno-flu update, naming the diseases that the adjusted virus would protect the infected from. A pointing finger indicated the anomaly. What the heck is measles? I know, right? It's, that's like some weird human name or something. Yes, but viruses have taxonomic names, she argued. For something to have a common name, it has to be around for hundreds of years. That just doesn't happen anymore. At which point, debate sprung up amongst her neighbouring cures. I heard there was an anti-immuno-deep-time colony. The viruses mutated and bred into this supervirus. I heard it was just a regular deep-time colony from before they made the old viruses extinct. I heard it was a string runner, trying to make a weapon. It killed them, of course. I heard someone dropped through a space-time anomaly and skipped 500 years. They all stared at the last speculator. Like that could possibly happen, she scoffed. And fire. You will now enjoy a brief musical interlude by Ellipsis Addiction.
Reference posting bills zero. on the jelly zero. Prompt Two. subconsciously Four. transmitted Six. soul level personal ads transmitted via peer to peer human to human internet powered by implants in the brain and the strange pairings that emerge from their usage. Base the story in the city you know most intimately. It was cheap. It had no carrier feeds. It drastically reduced the volume of people who had no way to understand what life was like for other people. People on the JellyNet were almost 100% more likely to be civil, understanding, generous, polite, and just basically nice to their fellow human being. The right wing hated it instantly. But even then, instantly was too late. It was everywhere. Anyone could buy a wire hat off anyone selling them on just about any corner. You could even get baby models for parents so they knew exactly what their child found upsetting. It was easy. And that should have been the first warning. JellyNet was a whirlwind of creativity. Like minds fissioned with instant access to each other. Ideas came to fruition in less time than it took via traditional channels. And then, just as the world was becoming a better place, the adverts came. They came to the shared dreamscape. You could certainly sleep in the wire hat. It was eminently comfortable. Where groups of heroes regularly fought off nightmares and strange structures came and went like mist. This one was a gigantic tub of washing powder. Dreamers around it stared for a while, then went elsewhere to have some fun before they awoke. Melanie thought no more about it. Someone dreamed up bright orange bubble chairs that floated from a fountain and she'd spent most of her night touring the dreamscape in it. She went through her little routine in absolute private, taking off the wire hat to visit the loo and have a shower and pick her face and brush her teeth, all before putting the hat back on. Some people, she knew, never took the hat off. She'd installed TMI filters anyway. She didn't need to know who was jacking off or who was on their period. She didn't want to know either. Breakfast came with a monumental flash of a brand of cornflakes that she never liked. Her disgust echoed around five of her neighbours. Weird. She got on with her day. In real space, she was just Melanie Tyler, checkout chick. In dream space, well, there was another reason she took the hat off. In her afternoons, she was writing a book, inspired by her dreams. She had to stay off of jelly space, lest her daydreams be suborned by someone else into a new thing. Her jelly net friends wished her well and that was enough for her. Brisbane was cleaner since the jelly net hit. Even the weeds in the cracks on the pavement were vanishing. Except dandelions. People liked them. It wasn't a long walk between her flats and the Queen Street Mall, nor from there to the shop where she worked. And in the early morning, Brisbane was a quieter place. It was easy to believe that she was alone in the world, if not for the gentle hum of jelly net in her head. Distant Americans were ending their days. The New Zealanders were already at work. A pair of hoons were approaching. They were thinking it might be funny to remind her that she was just a girl and girls existed for men. Except... Jellynet informed them in instance that that sort of thing was not nice and made them feel bad about it. The guy on the passenger side ended up yelling, You're looking wonderful, have a great day! at his window without ever knowing precisely why. Melanie grinned and skipped the rest of the way to work. Another day of stocking shelves. Asking if the customer had flybys, stuffing bags with purchases and otherwise earning her keep. 
She was halfway through first shift when another one struck. It was for artists she'd never hear, let alone heard of, but the music itself was a persistent and annoying earworm. Then someone started replacing the words. New images rippled around. Someone turned it into a Minecraft fid. Someone else turned it into a Star Trek fid. It was the last time anyone tried putting advertising into Jellynet. End file. Accessing archival file reference number 00247. File name reference. Household gods. Prompt. Papier mache elves. He knew he shouldn't ask. Technically speaking, anything that kept Shade busy and not in anyone's business was a good thing. Anything that kept her out of Sherlock's notice was wonderful. Apart from the fact that Sherlock now had her on his permanent watch list and her alarming habit this time had been buying the cheapest paper and glue available, which meant she was up to something. Which meant Ryle, once again, had to go find out and presumably stop it before it got on anyone else or at the very least, tone it down to the level of minor nuisance. Which was why he was watching Shade apply bits of glue-soaked cellulose to a wire frame. The purpose of this was completely beyond him. Obviously, it was a form of art, since arts was defined as activity without purpose, sometimes creating objects without purpose in the process. This... this just looked like a mess. But he had to ask. What are you doing? Making papier-mâché elves. Elves, he echoed. One evidently had a tail. I uh, couldn't find the ones I was after. Bloody Seeker kept sending me to the Mythos Embassy. When it weren't sending me to the Cognizant Rights Office. Ah, of course. Elf had changed its meaning in the years she'd been jaunting through other dimensions. There were the elves of planet Mythos, descendants of gen-engineered humans with pointy ears, longer lifespans, and tongue-clotting beauty on their side. And there were elves, engineered life-forms like himself, the Skitties and, regrettably, his wave-of-the-future gene cousins, the Cleaners. So, you're making... idols? If that makes sense to you, I... She picked up a small, stick-like tool and worked some fine detail into the glue-moistened paper. I'm trying to make a home here, you can. And it's not a home without some little elves. A crooked smile that meant on the inside she wasn't smiling at all. My mum had a bitty collection, elves from around the world. And she told me a story, when I was little, about the cobbler and the little elves. So I'm making the entire set. Celtic, German, French, Swiss, Russian, Tolkien, Pinny, Cochrane. A sick little laugh meant to stave off tears. <laughs> Every elf there ever was, in memory of me mum. The laugh failed just as her voice did, and a thick tear fell down her ebon face like a meteor in the night, falling to a planet. Homesick. It was a word he never understood. He never had any place where he knew he belonged, not even now. And the cure, a visit, was not even plausible. Her home was 500 years ago and millions of light years distant. Ryle sat next to her and awkwardly put his hand on her arm, black and blue. Tell me, he asked, tell me about the happy times. Her hands moved again, placing paper in patterns he couldn't fathom, let alone help with. 
sometimes winding, sometimes patting, sometimes pressing. And she spoke, conjuring a peripatetic childhood, roaming between countries and continents, picking up languages like any other tourist would pick up tchotchkes, picking up culture and learning and never staying in one place. Home for her was her family, her mother, her father and brother and the little elves that her mother carefully packed for each move and unpacked again when they settled once more. She could not reach her family, did not want to confirm that their lives had long since ended. So she was reaching for the next best thing, an echo of home. May I help? He asked. It wasn't much comfort, but he was good at making new places to belong. Maybe he could teach her. End Fire You have been listening to Intermission, the story audio podcast made logic-free for your entertainment. Introduction and incidental music by Ellipsis Addiction. Stories and performances by C.M. Well, also known as The Intermelter. Cover art by The Greatest Asswaffle and credited as such by their request. For all further information, set your data readers to I-N-T-E-R-N-U-T-T-E-R dot O-R-G. Intermission. Sponsored by no one. Listen by you.